Well, it's good to be with you here this morning, those who are here and those joining us online. We're excited to spend some time together this morning. It's a great time of year to be together. Uh, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads. And uh, uh, let me send you uh, unsolicited Rob's love. He's, uh, they're visiting their daughter in Phoenix this weekend, and they don't get to do that very often. So excited to be able to... Um, to serve and give him an opportunity. I love being a part of a team. I'm so thankful that Rob has a team so that when there's things like that, that there's no stress. Like it's, we've got a great team all over the place in every area of ministry and we take turns and share the load together. And uh, <clears throat> I almost felt like uh, that message this morning was a plant. I was like, man, if you hadn't thought about serving in kids ministry yet, you hear that young girl's journal, like, I love how my teachers tell me more about Jesus. So if you haven't thought about that, you should think about how, many, how that's impacting young lives and consider what does one hour of your month, just one week of the whole month, what would that look like? Can I tell you another thing? Um, I think the percentage is almost 90%. Almost 90% of people who give their life to Jesus. This isn't even the message. I don't even know what this is. That's what happens when you have a pre-speaker. He was like way better. You know, almost, almost 90% of people who give their life to Christ do it before the age of 18. So if we're not investing in our student ministries, we might be missing it. If we're not investing in our student ministries, we might just be missing it. And if you're a student in our student ministries, we need you. Because you are the hope of your generation. They need a light in that school. And that's Jesus shining in you. We do fun things like have a fun Tuesday night where you invite your friends and we have games and pizza. And hopefully they go like, oh, this is a cool place. People are nice here. Maybe I'll come back. You inviting them, just like you inviting your friends, your family to like a Christmas Eve service. Did you know that there's some people who are CEOs? They go to Christmas and Easter only. That's a chance. That's an opportunity. You know, bring them to something that they'll say yes to. So anyways, I'm Joe, and uh, love the holidays, love to spend time. Uh, this morning we're going to start a new series uh, based on a long-held tradition called Advent. Surprise, right? Uh, the Latin beginnings means uh, arrival or coming. It's a celebration of Christ joining us here on earth. Each week we're going to gather and we'll light a candle and talk about a significant part of the promise of Christ and how each candle embodies that. So lighting a candle, let's see if this works today. Lighting a candle is simple, but it's profound. It's a testimony to the power of light over darkness. The light of just one candle can push away the darkness. As we light this first candle of Advent, we're going to begin our journey to Christmas. The first candle of Advent is called the hope or the prophecy candle. As we anticipate Christmas, let us remember those who first spoke of the promise of the coming of the Christ child. I almost lit the wrong one. <laughs> you ruined the whole thing. They're literally labeled down here too for me. Like, I still, I was like, okay, I guess we're doing peace this week. Not... Not hope, not hope. So when you think about hope, 
it sounds a whole lot like I'm wishing for something. Because maybe you're like, I hope for Christmas I get this or I get that. I remember when I was young, like I hoped that I got the action. This is, I'm pretty old. This, uh, the action figure, Daniel-san from the Karate Kid. Daniel-san. I had a little brother whose name was Daniel. Guess who got Daniel-san? I didn't think about that. I had an older brother who was a bit of an instigator, and he got, like, the bad guy, whatever his name is. I haven't watched the recent re- Johnny, yeah. So I was blessed to get uh, Mr. Miyagi. When you're a kid, you're not like, ooh, I'm Mr. Miyagi. You're like, I'm the teacher. I'm the sensei. And you know, I was like, see, that, w- that was more of a wish. That's not what hope is. At least that's not what biblical hope is. And we're going to talk about that today. What might extinguish or what might put out the hope in your life? See, depending on what your hope is rooted in, anchored to, you might find that your hope is fading or failing. Maybe circumstances have gotten very hard. Maybe you're waiting on God to answer you. Maybe you're waiting for him to do what he promised he would do. And maybe you're just kind of tired of waiting. Can I tell you this? You're not alone. (laughs) Welcome to the family of God. We've all been waiting for so long. For millennia, people have been hoping and waiting on God for many important things. In Micah chapter 5, he says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who will be the ruler of Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. This is beginning to tell about how Jesus would come, and he would be born in Bethlehem. Do you know how long this was before it happened? 700 years. It's a lot of waiting, right? In Isaiah 7, it says, Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and the call him Emmanuel. 700 years before Jesus was born. <laughs> if you're tired of waiting, you're part of a good family. You're part of a good club. In fact, it was generations of waiting, and it was passing on the hope that would come, the promise that would come. For hundreds and hundreds of years, people waited. And even as you read, there's, the Bible is great that it has so much history and so much story to it. From the beginning of creation to God claiming his people and, and leading them and guiding them. And them having a whole lot of struggles through the way. If that doesn't define your life, tell me, right? It's there as an example to us. And as you read those books, the Old Testament, as that last book is written... It's about 400 years. Everybody say 400. 400 years before the promise came. That's a long, silent night. That is a lot of waiting. Sometimes the best things are worth waiting for. God's people are called to be people of hope. We hope in God through his birth, his death, his resurrection, and return of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Is your heart filled with hope? Do you have a confident expectation of your tomorrow? Well, what happens when the road ahead is filled with loss or stress and weighs your shoulders down? What confident expectation for tomorrow? When that dwindles, what can you do? How do you walk in hope when maybe you feel hopeless? See, hope is waiting for something. It's the tension we feel while we're waiting. But it's not a wish. It's rooted in a trusting relationship with one who's proven himself over and over and over again. Hope is a confident expectation of faith in something without seeing it, knowing that it will happen because Jesus is our hope. And while they waited and waited and waited, he sure came. Hope in Jesus comes from more than just a belief that he was once a baby in a manger. The hope found in Jesus, it's been called an anchor for the soul. It's something deep within you that secures you through the storms of life. Sometimes we confuse optimism like, hey, I'm a positive person, right? Like, hey, I, I'm a hoping for good things. Like, I'm positive, They confuse optimism with biblical hope. Biblical hope is optimistic, but it differs from optimism or positive thinking. It's an optimism based on a certainty or a truth, not just like a cheery disposition or if if luck finds my way, that's not hope. If your hope rests on just a wish or a fantasy, it's worthless. To be valid, it has to be based on truth. And certainty. What do you know about God in your life to be true? No matter what anyone else says. Where is he personally true in your life? If you turned to somebody and told them, what would you tell them? This is what I know about God. That doesn't change no matter what anybody else says. I've got this anchor of hope in here that in spite of my circumstances, in spite of my situation, in spite of my waiting, I know this to be true about him. And I can confidently, expectantly wait for him to deliver because he comes through. Since our God is the God of hope, we who represent him to this hopeless world must be people of hope. If we're just walking around as optimists, how can anybody follow us? Like, I just hope things go well today. That's so different than God is in control. And I place my trust and my hope in him. I'm waiting on his promises. Is this a Catholic church? This, what is that bell, that chime? That's great. I was like, I love that. I was like, it's not even noon yet. Somebody's trying to get out early. I was like, am I done? Wrap it up? Is that the sound? Like, let's go. <laughs> That's probably one of my kids. No, I'm just kidding. Hear this. In Romans chapter 15, it says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I got... 
I got an answer for you today. I've got a solution for you today. If through the process of our conversation this morning, you feel like your hope meter is low, like on your gas tank, you're like, the light is flashing. Or actually, I had a conversation with a friend this morning who said, you know what, the other day, I didn't realize that my hope was low. And then through the process of God speaking to me, I was like, oh my goodness, my hope is low. But he filled it. He's the God who will fill you with hope if you just ask. Maybe you feel empty today. Maybe you feel like you just need a refill. You're like, I'm not, I'm just not empty. It's kind of like if you're doing a long drive, like we've got family that lives in Reno. So it's like, we stop, we stop more than I'd like, let's just say. You got kids, or you could just get older, you need more restroom breaks, or just more chances to stretch your legs, or if you have a wife, you know what I mean, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Boo! She's back there. Boo! Hiss! Hiss! I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Sometimes I just fill up the tank because I'm like, might as well, right? Like, I know, I know I'm only like half, half, I just fill it up. Might as well, right? Maybe today you go like, you know what, I'm not empty, but I'm also not full. And maybe today God would be speaking to you to say like, I want you to be overflowing with hope. I want it to splash out a little bit. Like, it's okay if it gets on your neighbors. It's okay if it gets on the people around you a little bit. Like, you can just kind of clamp on the pump, and it's okay if it just gets a little messy. Because being people who are filled with hope is different than somebody who's like, I got a little hope if I really need it. Oftentimes, we are going through the hardest moments of our life, and we don't realize that it pulls, it challenges, and it fights against the hope that we hold on to. If you find that your hope meter is going on, a lot of times it's because you're in the midst of a storm. You're in the midst of challenges in your life, and it's tugging on your hope anchor. It's pulling at it and going like, nah, nah, you shouldn't keep waiting on this thing. You shouldn't keep trusting on him. Hey, has he showed up for you yet? No. But is your hope strong enough to endure this challenge? In Hebrews, the author, he was writing to a people who are facing hardship and persecution because of their faith. Not like persecution, like people are like, you Christians, you. But like killing people. Like stealing all their stuff and kicking them out of town. Like murdering them. Like you had to do church in secret. Like like not good, right? Like stuff that still happens today on the other side of the world. Thank you again, veterans, for our freedom. That we're safe here to do this. He's writing to people who are tempted to abandon their faith. Tempted. They were, it was, it was, should I abandon Christ? Or should I face the fire? The author is urging them to persevere by putting their focus on the superiority of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he's provided. He's trying to install in them, instill in them biblical hope. Not just that's positive or cheerful, but a steady attitude of joy based on the promises of God who does not lie. Here's what he says in Hebrews 6. God did, so, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled 
take hold of the hope set before us, may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It gives this illustration of hope being an anchor. When ships go out to sea, you know why they have an anchor? Just for fun. That's what I learned. Actually, I wasn't in the Navy. That's not why they have anchors, right? It's when the storms come and they're blowing, they drop that anchor as deep as they can, and they go, this will hold us. Sometimes they have to drop more than one anchor. When the storm in your life comes, do you have an anchor to drop? Do you have something that will keep you rooted? In fact, our anchor doesn't go down, it goes up. What are you holding on to that's bigger than you that will keep you from getting blown away? Real hope is only found in Jesus. It's not an outcome. Hope is a person. It's Jesus. Hope is looking to Jesus, believing in him and his promises with a real expectation. I'm believing in you and what you said you would do. In spite of my circumstances. Yeah. We see in the very beginning of the Christmas story that Mary is given a promise, a hope to hold on to. Something that when she felt discouraged or rejected or confused, that she would keep her going. In Luke chapter 1, it says the angel answered to her and says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Here's this little hope nugget. Watch this. He goes, because it's not like she was like, well, I don't know. He goes, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. If she had a question to doubt, she had a family member who's going through the same type of thing. And in fact, she was a little in front of her, and she was like, I don't know. You're saying that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow me. I'm going to have the Son of God. I don't know. I just don't feel worthy. All those things. And in the midst, he goes, let me give you this little anchor of hope. He goes, look, you're not the only one going through this thing. Yes, you're unique in this. But look, look, Elizabeth is going to go through it. She's ahead of you. You have somebody to tie your, to tether to, to go like, God doesn't, he keeps his word. Look, I made a promise to somebody who couldn't have children. She's having a kid. And you think like, well, I can't have a kid because, you know, I haven't gone through this process. He goes, you can have a kid. Watch this. Our hope will only be as strong as whatever we place it in. You want to put your hope on what you saw in the news today? You want to put your hope in what you read online this morning? Or maybe from God, whose words never fail. Like, that's a good place to put your hope. By the way, if you haven't read your Bible lately, like, that is the word that will never fail. Sometimes the first thing we do when the storms come blowing is, like, we start going through our favorites list and calling everybody. What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? Who should I call? We go to Google. What do you do when this happens? 
God, what should I do? Your word speaks throughout the generations. It says it will never fade away. And your word never fails. Why don't I ask you what I should do in this situation? If you're somebody who's like, I really don't get the whole Old Testament thing, a lot of that is an example for us. See people who failed and people who succeeded. Can I tell you this secret? My limited experience. The ones who stayed connected to God and put their hope in them, they put their hope in God, they didn't see the same failures, they didn't crash and burn. If you like reading about like the stories of the kings, you go read, it was all based on if they chose to follow God. If they put their hope in something else, crash and burn. We're supposed to learn from that. We're supposed to learn from that. That where you put your hope matters. If you put your hope in yourself, if you put your hope in your finances, if you put your hope in your spouse, if you put your hope in your kids, if you put your hope in your job, have we not learned anything from 2020? Like, the world can change on a dime. And if you're connecting your hope to anything that is connected to today, you might just be missing it because a hope that will never fail, whoo, that's the one I want to sign up for. But so often we tie our anchor, we hook up to things that are not from God, that are not tried and true and promises that you can bank on. We sang that great song this morning that he's the same God. So when you look at the word of God and you see him fulfilling his promises over and over and over, and yeah, sometimes we wait for it. But he never fails. Never fails. And he's the same God. In Hebrews 13, it says, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing in keeping his promises. So you might go, well, he kept all those promises to them, but he didn't keep his promise to me. Maybe it's just not time yet. Someday soon I'll get the daniel son that I've been waiting for, right? Please don't get me one. I have 30 Danielson show up on that. I was like, they're invading. <laughs> See, our hope is easily lost when we anchor it in our a preferred result, like this thing we want, or this outcome. Like, if this happens, this is what I really want. And we keep tying ourselves up to something that we're wishing for or wanting instead of in the God who never fails, and his promises are always true. God's past faithfulness motivates us and motivates our hope for the future. If you're struggling to find hope, you go to the past. If you're struggling with looking towards the future, go back and see God being faithful over and over and over in your life. And sometimes you just need to pause. You just need to think, when has God been faithful in my life? And you need to write those things down. And you need to remember them. And you need to celebrate them. Do you know why when those Israelites, those people of God, kept going through and traveling as God was leading them, he had them stop every once in a while. He's like, let's build an altar here. Let's remember what he did for us here. 
Hey, we crossed the Jordan. Hey, let's bring some rocks out. Because remember, this was filled with water. Let's bring some rocks out and go like, remember when he parted the waters? When is he parting the waters in your life? Where you see God doing amazing things and you go like, I don't want to forget this because my hope is anchored and rooted in God's past faithfulness because I know when I need him in the future, he will be there. He will show up. Maybe you would say, though, I just can't wait. Or he hasn't answered my prayer. He didn't help me when I needed it. I welcome you again to the family of God. Because oftentimes God doesn't answer our prayer the way we think he should. And oftentimes he doesn't show up when we think he should. But I can tell you he keeps his promises. The Bible is full of people not being on the same page with God's timing. If you want to go see the story of Lazarus, Jesus' friend who he let die when he could have healed him. In fact, that's what his friends told him. Like, why are you late? You could have healed him. We know you're the healer. And he said, well, it wasn't my choice. But just so you know, I'm still the healer. You don't get it. He's dead. Lazarus is gone. And he goes, I'm still the healer. Lazarus, come out. Maybe Maybe it's past the time when you thought God should have answered you. And maybe even this dream or this promise feels dead in your life. He's the same God. He's still the healer. He's still the deliverer. He's still the savior. And I'm so sorry because I know it hurts when God is delayed in our mind. But if you read, he is loving and kind. I was reading a psalm this morning. The whole psalm. Over, like it was a punch in the face. I'll have to look here. It's in my daily reading. I read, I read a few, few chapters every day. The, the thing says, and he's the Godhead. His loving kindness never fails. It must have said it 20 times. It was like, da-da-da-da, and his loving kindness never fails. Da-da-da-da, and his loving kindness never fails. Over and over. And it was like, we get it already. And he's like, do you? Do you? Because his loving kindness never fails. And when you're a good God who loves his children, and that's the analogy he gave us to understand him, he goes, I'm a good father. I'm a good father. If you think you know what a good father is, you don't. I'm, I'm, I created being a father. I will show you. And so I'm sorry if your hope has been delayed. Or your hope has been strained because of the timing of God. But I promise you that his word never fails. Can I share with you? This is one of my favorite verses. And you've probably heard it many times before. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in a future. Great verse. Heard it, right? 
Do you know why he's saying not to harm you? I bet you don't. See, when you do that reading through the Bible thing, like I read a couple chapters, you start to get the context of what God's saying. You start to read a little bit more than the favorite verses. You start to go like, well, what's the story going on in Jeremiah chapter 29? They were stolen away. They were captive and brought to Babylon. They were kicked out of their home country. They were basically like slaves. And he goes, hey, I see what's going on. My plan isn't to harm you in this. I got a future and I've got a hope for you. See, the verse before says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I will fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. See, that's something you can have a hope in. He says, I know this doesn't feel good. And I know you don't like this. He goes, but I'm coming. Set your watches. But 70 years, right? Like, why not seven weeks? I don't get it. I don't know. Can I tell you what it probably really is? It needed to be a generation. We needed to change this generation out because they had sold out on God. They had given away. And he goes, we need to start over maybe. Maybe you need to understand again that I'm the Savior, that I'm the one who delivered you from all these things we've talked about, all these places, all these altars we built that you just walked by now and go, eh, I got a new God. He goes, nah, I don't think so. I'm the same God. Our problem with hope is that we don't like waiting for it. God tells us he will fill us with hope, and he always keeps his word. That will help sustain us. If you feel short on hope, you feel empty, God can give you the hope that you need. Here's a promise. Isaiah 40 says, those who hope in the Lord, they'll renew their strength. Maybe you feel weak. Maybe you feel like your hope is weak. He goes, if you hope in the Lord, if you put your trust and your confidence in him, your strength will be renewed and you will soar on wings like eagles. I don't know what that means. I think it means something like maybe it'll be like smooth sailing-ish, but I'm rarely experiencing smooth sailing. Like, <laughs> Pastor Mark, you know what that means? No? Smooth sailing? Maybe for a while, maybe for a day, maybe for a few minutes, maybe. Can I tell you what it feels like? Sometimes the day-to-day, step-to-step feels so hard. But when you just get a little bit above it, because your hope is placed up here, that's a little bit smooth sailing. In the midst of some storms, right? Here's an example of somebody who's in the middle of a fight for their life. They're all trying to kill him, remove him from the throne, This is David talking in Psalm 62. He says, yes, my soul. Sorry, let me say it the way he wrote it. He goes, yes, my soul. He's talking to himself. He goes, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. He's telling himself. He goes like, my hope comes from him. Truly, he's my rock and my salvation. Sometimes you've got to tell yourself. You've got to be the one who sits here and goes, yeah, tell me. I need to hear it. Because I don't feel like it today. 
And David's telling himself, he's preaching to himself. He goes, he's my rock, he's my salvation, he's my fortress, and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. Because he's my mighty rock. He's my refuge. I can hide in him. Trust in him at all. He's talking to himself. Trust in him at all times. And he goes, hey, everybody else, you guys can hear this too. He goes, you people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Can I tell you, let me say this the right way. I go into the bathroom at my house regularly. (laughs) There's a sign right in front of my face that's been there for years that yesterday I just saw for the first time. (laughs) It says, hope is an anchor for the soul. And I was like, I should have been reading this more often. Sometimes you need to put something in front of your face to go like, I need to be encouraged. I need to be focused. Maybe it's taking a verse like what David wrote and it's putting on a card and putting it on your bathroom mirror or somewhere where you'll see. Don't put it on your windshield. Put it somewhere that's safe. Put it on your refrigerator. Maybe you're like, yeah, I go to the refrigerator a lot. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it somewhere where you'll see it and ingest it and breathe it in. You need Fresh hope reveals more often than you know. Because when the world is tugging at you and the storms are coming, it's draining your hope battery and you need a refresh. You need a refill. The psalmist writes in 130, it says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. I will put my hope in his word. This picture of hoping and waiting, like he's talking about, it's like I'm resting all that I have on him. I'm putting my whole confidence in him. Where is your anchor? Where is your hope? What are you putting your whole confidence in? Our hope is only as strong as what we put it in, what we place it in. Just don't answer. Is your hope in your money? Is your hope in your retirement? Is your hope in your health? Is it in your kids? Is it in a future that's not connected to God? Is your, is your hope in yourself? I believe that I can do it. Is that really what you think is going to get you through all the storms yourself? I know for sure it's not for me. Or is your hope anchored to the word that will never fail? Jesus is the Christ who came to save us. He's not just the baby who came to save us. He's also our soon and coming king. We have a hope. Not just that he did come, not that he sent his spirit to live in us, but that he's coming again for his children. That is something to hope for. He's returning for his followers. He's prepared a place for us in heaven. He has been our hope. He is our hope. And he forever will be our hope. Listen to this in Isaiah 25. It says, he will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away all tears and take away forever all insults and mockery against his land and his people. The Lord has spoken. Do you have any places in your life where you can go, 
the Lord has spoken. God said this, and it's my anchor. It's my hope. He will surely do it. In that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God in whom we trust, for whom we have waited. Now at last, he is here. What a day of rejoicing. Can I talk to you? We're going to pray in a few minutes because I believe that God wants to fill us with hope. Can I tell you how important it is to be a person filled with hope? You can't predict when the storms of life are going to come. You got to stay full. Can I tell you somebody who's been a blessing in my life, who's been filled with hope. I want to ask you to join with me in praying for Pastor Jackie. Her husband, her husband, Tommy, who's a man of hope, went home to be with Jesus yesterday. But can I read this to you? Thessalonians 4 says, Our friends, we want you to know the truth about the truth about those who have died, so that you'll not be sad, as are those who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will take back with Jesus those who have died believing in him. Another version says, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Can I tell you that Tommy and Jackie are people of hope? It doesn't make it easy, though. And as a community, we're going to be here to love her, support her as she's going through the biggest storm in her life. Mm -hmm. But she's not alone. That's the other part of being hope-filled and part of a family. We stay connected to each other. Because sometimes the storms get big and you just kind of need the buoy that hope provides when you're with others. You know, when the storms get really bad, you know what the seals do? They just lock arms in the water. They float together. It's easier to float when you're not alone. Especially if you're connected to somebody who has additional buoyancy buoyancy than others. You're like, why does he float so well? I don't know. I don't know. A lot of stretching, a lot of stretching. Jesus, we pray for Jackie. I can't imagine, and I don't, I don't even know how to fully explain, Jesus, how to lose the person who is the love of your life. But I'm so thankful that she's filled with hope in spite of the sadness and sorrow of losing Tommy, knowing that she will see him soon. The day that you call her home, I'm sure he'll be pulling up on a horse and ready to greet her. Jesus, would you fill us with hope? Help us to be people of hope so that when somebody else is going through the hardest moments of their life, that we have hope to give. Jesus, would you fill us with hope today? Fill us with hope today. As we've been talking this morning, you've been speaking to each and every one of us. Maybe we've been seeing areas in our life where we're empty. And our hope is low. Some of you today might be in the place where you just go like, you know what? (sighs) My hope is so low. 
Maybe you're even say you're empty. Like, I'm not even connected to God and his family. I don't understand and I don't know this hope that he gives you, but I want it. Can I tell you that he gives it? He gives it freely. All you have to do is say yes to him. Or maybe you're somebody who needs a refill. God, fill me again. Come and fill me again. He says yes to you. Jesus, I pray for everybody here right now and those joining us online. Would you come and fill us right now by the power of your Holy Spirit? Come and pour your hope into us, God. Help us to stay connected and rooted to your word, which never fails, God. Reading the Bible is not about checking a box. It's about staying connected to the hope that you provide. It's about knowing what you say about us and how you keep your word and what your promises are for us. God, would you help us fall back in love with your word? Because it never fails. I read so many other things that are hogwash, that are worthless. Help me to spend time reading something that will change my life, and it will be an anchor for my soul. Would you do that in us? I want to ask you this week, maybe even before you go, maybe, maybe sharing with somebody next to you something that you need to hope God for. Maybe you need prayer. I'm going to have our prayer teams come up, but I'm also just going to say, pray with people next to you if you'd like or if you need to. If you're just struggling and you feel like you need a refill and you just want somebody to pray over you personally or pray with you, You're just going, I need to hope in God for this. Or maybe today you're saying, hey, I want to follow God. That's new for me. I want to start with him. And if there's a promise from God's word that he's given to you, maybe you need to hold on to it this week. Maybe you do need to literally write it out. Maybe you need to put it in front of you so that you can memorize it and read it and go back to it and say his word is true. It never fails. God, would you do that in us today? So I'm just going to let you all stand up. I'm going to have our prayer teams come up. If you want to pray with somebody right next to you, if you want to have prayer with you, they'll turn on some music, and we'll just, um, we'll just finish. God, do that in us today. Come and fill us with your hope. Amen. We'll see you again next week. Jesus is called.